Hello, it's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. I continue to support the creative community through this crisis with all sessions now on video and phone calls. For details, please check threadup.co.uk. You can also find details of free check-ins I offer on my Twitter at threadup underscore and on Instagram and Facebook at threadup. Please share this. Somebody out there might need it. Stay safe and let's get through it together. Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy during this time of near total shutdown of a live comedy circuit due to coronavirus. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, and every day now I'm going to be talking with a different comedian about the current situation, along with passing on some hopefully really helpful and positive strategies, coping mechanisms from the counselling professionals we partner with at threadup.co.uk. I'm hoping that by sharing experiences and some positivity with comedians, we can all get through this together in the best possible way. So joining me on Psychomedy Daily Dose today, it's Carl Donnelly. Carl, hello. Hey, mate. How are you? Did you just have a, is that a dog bark in the background or is that a noise? I don't, I don't have a dog. I have two kids, so they, they, may have been, they may have been barking. They've been locked up <laughs> so much, they've started barking. Is that a problem? And they're now calling for help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that will happen eventually, won't it? That we'll all start barking and depending how long this goes on, because I've noticed like, you know, it's the first week everyone's, you know, doing normal stuff. By the fourth week, everyone was like stripping off, I noticed online. Just like, right. have a look at me naked. By the 10th week, we'll all be barking. I, yeah, I, I reckon we're not far off now. A comedian <laughs> that we all, like, at least a comedian <laughs> that a lot of us know, doing some form of online masturbation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've been talking to people uh, about OnlyFans.com. Have you heard about this website? Um, Alexis Dubas mentioned it to me. Well, isn't it for like women to? Uh, currently, it's for women to <laughs> videos to fans, men like uh, you know, it's like a patron for uh, boobs. <laughs> it is. Well, you say well, you say it is currently. What it will be next week is Nathan Cassidy's comedy <laughs> <laughs> and his cock. Like psychology. <laughs> yeah. But I've mentioned it to a few comics. They go, oh, that sounds great. I, I don't mind putting out a bit of, a bit of boob on that and stuff. And I think they're joking. But no, no, they're not. They're like, no, well, no. anything to make money. And a lot of people are making a lot of money from that. Money and uh, just that need for you know, the strangers to like it. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think online porn is the way to go. It's just like, it cuts out all the writing. I don't, I don't believe they have to put much prep into that. Do they? Showing their dicks? I'm not sure. I genuinely think if you told me, you know, you could have six months off comedy, you know, <laughs> financially you'd be sorted and, you know, you don't have to worry about writing and, you know, just <laughs> travelling around to all the geeks if you just do one video. Of your <laughs> yeah. I genuinely think... I might not do it, but I'd, I would have a strong think about it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, it worked for Joel Domit. It? it worked for Joel Domit. You'd argue it made his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> would it be? Would it? Would it would... I've played Joel, but I know him. I, I, yeah. I don't mean that in some sort of critical sense. I mean it, and it really, like you know, he really picked the, his timing on that perfectly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have to pick the timing to show your dick, you know? It's like, it could either make or break your career, really, couldn't it? I've always said that. That was my lawyer. 
Um, so yeah, I've been listening to your brilliant podcast, um, Two Vegan Idiots, which really, uh, really cheered me up. It's brilliant. I've been listening to the Sean Walsh episode and stuff, and I've heard on there that, um, I think it was Julian Dean, your co-host was saying it's been great, but you were kind of agreeing and it's been, it's been pretty good, this lockdown, uh, for you personally. Has it been, has it been okay? Yeah, it's, um, like, it's, I mean, a weird one, a weird situation, I think, in that, and you know i was meant to be at the melbourne comedy festival which i love mm. you know so i was sad when that got cancelled but you know in terms of actually once we got home my day-to-day life has not particularly changed like yeah i apart from going out at, you know if i'm gigging in london i'll normally be at home until say 7 p.m my day yeah. is normally pretty quiet and you know i don't I sort of get up and i i might do some exercise i might read you know i'm quite a relaxed person i spend a lot of time just at home just pottering around really and i'll do mm. some writing and so they're all things that i've just continued doing so it's just the evenings where my life's changed where now i'm rather than going out to gig i'm just watching the handmade sale essentially <laughs> nice nice yeah so i'm enjoying it in the sense of my day-to-day life hasn't changed but once it gets to the evening i'm just having evenings in so yeah, apart from the financial implications, it's pretty much my dream life. <laughs> yeah, I noticed on your Twitter as well. You were saying uh, the danger of putting on weights, but are you? Uh, I don't know. Are you? Are you like one of those comedians who say, you know, I haven't got a show in July, and then in, in August it's brilliant. Are you going to come out of this just like hench, hench well, as hell? Here's the thing I have got a, I've got a prison gym sort of set up in the garden. I've got quite a. Yeah, you know, I've got like a squat rack and I've got proper weights. Oh, so nice. Wait six days a week during it. But I've nice. also done, I've, I've done literally zero cardio. So I'm going <laughs> to come out of it fat. I'm, <laughs> I'm eating loads as well. I'm sort of, you know, I'm doing, have, you ever, have you ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I haven't, no. Right, so it's my, it's, it's, I'd say it's probably my favourite sitcom of all time. But there's one season where one of the characters, Mac, just in between seasons, just got really fat. <laughs> yeah. and like, he, they don't mention it. So he just shows up. He goes from being relatively in good shape to just showing up at the start of the next season really fat. And, um, <laughs> and he's also quite muscly underneath it. And he, he talk, constantly talks about putting on mass. And I sort of feel like I'm doing that. I feel like it'd be quite funny to not see anyone for, for two and a half months or something and then just be like, notably bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah a few comedians have done that you know like um like russell howard suddenly got big didn't he and stuff so yeah you could he be ripped russell got <laughs> ripped right that's a that's a different thing i'm not i've not got no intentions of showing up with a six-pack i just want to <laughs> i want to have that sort of because my, my my wife is uh due to give birth in mid-june mm. so i think i'm building that sort of classic chunky dad <laughs> muscly and fat at the same time that's june that's uh when's that next week tomorrow three months i can't work out where we are but it's soon isn't it <laughs> yeah very <laughs> so how's how's that been is it all gone swimmingly i hope so far yeah we've been lucky in that it's been like she's had a i mean you you, you couldn't really pick a better pregnancy in that she's very active still like she's seven months pregnant but she's still t- not really bit burdened by the size or you know she's she's it's a belly essentially but she's not Mm. really carrying too much ailments elsewhere like it's not caused any other knock-on effects and Mm. 
and, and she's now because she's got loads of resting time and just she would have been working still yeah um, she works for the melbourne comedy festival and does other bits and bobs so oh, she would right. be right up until this next week and you know i think actually trying to look at the positives of what's happening is it's made it sort of forced her to just go oh actually why don't i just relax and enjoy these months of mm. you know before the baby comes along so it's been really nice and we've just been you know prepping starting to get everything ready for the absolute carnage that will <laughs> oh it's beautiful it's beautiful but yeah what a what an interesting story to tell your children that they won't be interested in. That, well, no, yeah, exactly. Your she was born during lockdown and they'll go, I don't care. That was eight, that was 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll still be in it by then. I don't know, but uh, let's hope not. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, how exciting. So your first child, yeah? Yes. Oh yes. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit of carnage, but it is, uh, it is a it is a beautiful beautiful joy. We were talking about child, yeah, child psychology just before we uh, started recording. I think so. Um, how how good? Because a lot of people don't have this opportunity, particularly comedians, I guess. How great that you'll be, both of you working in the industry, uh, be um, be kind of together and um, you know yeah. well, um, at, at this critical time. I yeah, I'd, I'd made sure I'd left june pretty quiet so that's mm. another weird sort of you know again it's you know my june was i'd actively left it quiet and taken out a few weeks of stuff and so now mm. it just means that i've not you know i wasn't due to be back gigging properly until july anyway so i feel i feel like you know it's it's sort of all happening around the schedule i was on but yeah it's, it's nice that we've got loads of we wouldn't have had this much time to spend together in this last couple of months so yeah we're having a lot of it's fun i mean this lockdown has made us realize just how lucky me and my wife are in that we get on very well Mm. you know my neighbors i've heard them have (laughs) some like good old-fashioned ding-dongs yeah 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 we're yet to yeah we we've yet to have one have one so like we're quite i think we we get on very well it's been a nice period to spend some time together yeah lovely lovely that's yeah it's 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 so great that you can yeah one of the big positives will be i guess spending potentially more time with with the baby than you maybe would have done because uh sometimes the dads go back to work after you know a couple of weeks don't they and um i think in that in all those child psychology books that you'll be reading that's uh you know if you can spend as long as a long time as possible bonding it makes the subsequent years i think so much easier because you've got that bond and then when yeah. they get to nine and they're turning to little shits then they're <laughs> they're less of little shits to you because what they don't remember is you spent those first month cuddling them you know well i think a lot of comics have told me that really not yeah. in, not in the sort of discussion about the psychology of it but just in coincidentally a lot of comedians have told me who've got children that the very, the big positive of being a comedian is you get to spend a lot of time with a new boy, you know your children when they're very young then first mm. before they start school um you you because your days are free yeah you get so much time with them and you might be going out in the evening and doing a gig but actually whereas a lot of parents once they go back to work you know they're missing out on the whole day and mm. they've seen babies like and their young children just before bed and that like he's that yeah, a lot of comedians have said it's a very lucky career to have if you want to spend a lot of time with your kids when they're like, in them first three or four years yeah it is it is and it's yeah it's so lucky i mean you, you read it in the books but just 
anecdotally, I just seen my friends like it, the dads that had to go back to work quickly, you know, the, 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 um, the amounts uh, that they bonded with and the, the reactions that they get, as I say, years later, you know, you can, you can see it. So, um, yeah, that is a, that is a big positive. Definitely. Like I've, read, I've read a couple of the books of, um, his name's Oliver James. He's the guy who wrote uh, the famous one, They Fuck You Up. Mm, yeah. Quite a famous child psychology book. And yeah, I mean, he's, I think he, you know, I, I think he's quite controversial because he's very much a nature, sorry, very much a nurture over nature type. Mm. And um, he talks about the, he said, he basically said the first six months, they're basically just a little organism that feeds and, you know, they're very, just you've just got to keep them entertained really and make sure they get in the nutrients and you've just got to adjust your life around their sleeping patterns but he said after six months between six months and three years mm. he said that is when literally every mistake you make will be lodged in them for <laughs> until a time when you can help them get rid of it <laughs> so, yeah brutal sounding but it's also a lot of positives and he talks about that's the time if you are, you know, receptive and good and loving and giving, that's when you have the best chance of creating a nice, good person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God, I'm remembering all my psychology textbooks now about this and about child psychology. One said, and it was horrific, it kind of opened with this, I think. I think it said something like, if you put a, and <laughs> it sounds awful, particularly maybe for a, a vegan or for everybody, it sounds awful for everybody. It said, if you put a mask on a cat, for the first few months of its life and it can only see vertical lines for the first few months of its life it wouldn't and you take then take the mask off right How, why does the textbook start like this it says uh, it will never see horizontal lines i'm like that stayed with me a that sounds horrific b how do you know like uh, yeah, yeah. it's like but it's um it's like the thing about like very very young children who are just you know unfortunately raised in you know terrible households mm. where they're just left to their own devices a lot yeah you know, and yeah how quickly they withdraw into themselves and become almost self-sufficient and just it's really sad that's when that you know they, they literally become this little quiet just thing yeah just has feels like it has to just exist in that in those terms mm. Absolutely. Well, good luck for the next few months, weeks of pregnancy and the next 20 years. I know. Have you got some good gigs lined up for next year to pay for all this? I mean, I, I was actually, you know, I, yeah, the financial implications of the next, I was all geared up to like, you know, go to Melbourne, have a good run and you yeah. know, have a sort of, you know, a good chunk of money coming in for when the baby comes on to afford the time off. Mm. And it's all fallen through. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's that thing. There's, there's worse off people. And I'm, I'm, I luckily have managed to save up enough to weather the storm. Yeah. It, it's still like, you know, I'm sure in six months' time, when I realize how expensive it is to have a child, I'll be <laughs> not save enough. It's quite cheap, actually, in the first year. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's when they get to 10 and start demanding um whatever the piano lessons not that my kids ever demand piano lessons it's more the other way around <laughs> so, maybe i should just withdraw them that's the, that's the yeah um cool man cool so how else have you been filling your days i've heard on the um on that podcast as well one or two things you've been up to kind of i don't know you mentioned quiz that was very good wasn't it yeah i, I really liked it actually mm. i mean yeah i've sort of uh i've got i'm quite strict about what i watch you know, mm. I don't want to, 
use this time badly or just find myself sitting on the sofa watching I basically everything I'm watching I want to I want to have chosen to watch it I don't want to just have the telly on yeah my I, we me and Hannah have got this weird rule where we don't turn the telly on until 5 p.m so oh that's cool that's cool yeah that means that we're forced to be pro like productive during the day and yeah you know, I've had a few little projects I've been working on and Sort of, so yeah, I've just we'd, that's the sort of daily routine, and then once it gets to dinner time, we'll have dinner, and we'll normally have, we'll watch two episodes of Kirby Enthusiasm over dinner because I've never watched it, so I'm working my way through it. Oh, nice, that's great. Oh, it's so funny. And then, yeah. um, so after that, then we go into the, and we've we've been working our way through The Handmaid's Tale, so we'll do two episodes of that, mm. and that's sort of our weekday viewing. And then Quiz was a just a good ITV drama that we did, and. Yeah, you know, there's just bits. We just and then a couple of times we've had social things online, like Zoom. We've actually done a couple of Zoom quizzes and yeah. It's all just, yeah, it's been relatively. I mean, the time's flown to be honest. I know. I think I think we're both quite good at spending time not doing much. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think some people really get stir crazy. Mm. I think me and Hannah have both individually travelled a lot and spent a lot of time on, like she's an actor so she's done loads of like in Australia she did loads of regional like theatre tours and stuff so she spent a lot of time just killing a day in a hotel room like just like I have so yeah. I think we're both quite good at this lockdown business yeah yeah I've heard one or two comedians say that that uh, yeah if you get on, if you get on with your partner it's great we finally yeah. can spend some time together it's brilliant yeah, yeah. which is wonderful yeah and also if you like sort of reading and sitting mm. around just musing and whatever like I think basically if you're good if you're good at spending time on your own mm. uh, and not afraid of spending too much time in your own head this sort of period of time I think could be really productive but a lot of people I think that's their worst nightmare, isn't it? They've got to be constantly distracted. And that's why you see a lot of the sort of the spike in social media activity. <laughs> yeah. Constantly having to feel like they are engaging with some other Yeah. People. Yeah. People getting their dicks out all the time. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so you, uh, are you concerned about when we can get back to work? I was really optimistic a couple of weeks ago. And then that thing came out from the government like a day or so ago and the bbc always accentuate i think the worst they pick out the worst sentence that's said you know it's it's mainly been good news the last couple of days and they say social distancing might have to last another year and you think oh fuck is that yeah. is that is that my career gone for well my stand-up career gone for a year you know i was optimistic until probably yeah probably about the last five days i reckon where yeah no like weirdly I, I went out to the supermarket today to our weekly government approved shop and oh. um on the way back, my neighbour was outside, so he's the upstairs neighbour, and we we're the downstairs flat, and we've got the garden, so he hasn't got a garden, so he was sitting out on like the driveway, <laughs> and, uh, in a chair on the driveway, just oh. getting sunshine, and mm. so we sort of, we just had a chat, and he's a DJ, and he we were talking about it, and he was the one who was like saying that, you know, he doesn't think he'll be he doesn't think we'll be doing any gigs, you know, because we're in similar industries and that we work in the same sort of environments. Mm. He was, he sort of said he doesn't think we'll be doing any probably at least until later in the year, like October or something. Yeah. And that was a real like moment of, I considered it, but I hadn't really spoken to anyone about it. And yeah, I think that's, it's dawning on me that there's a possibility that, you know, I won't be gigging until 
very, you know, good for another three or four months, which yeah. is worrying financially, but it's also, what can you do? If it's a law, then there's nothing we can do about it, is it? I'm picturing gigs when we come back where everyone's sat like the Houses of Parliament, like five seats apart <laughs> and uh, trying to generate any atmosphere in that kind I of thing. Yeah, that's really great for comedy atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, you've even got to be apart from your own partner and uh, <laughs> your own friend. <laughs> How would anyone want to do that? Just like, and then what the hell are we going to talk about? Yeah, there's all those that's things. Bit, that's, that's the most fascinating thing, I think. I've been chatting to a few comedian mates about those first gigs back mm. like you know like the funniest thing you could do i think would be not mention the lockdown <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. it would have to be done clearly as a, a, a taking a myth but you know <laughs> it's going to be so strange because yeah. like you know you, you've got to talk about it because everyone's going to have just gone through this massive joint experience yeah i think it would be it would be mental to not talk about it but also the, you've got to be wary of not doing like you know a lot of the jokes have been done for <laughs> We'll all have to um, we'll all have to turn up at gigs right at the start, won't we? And yeah. you see every act, everything that the MC's done, because yeah. obviously there's going to be repetitions. So how about you? Say you've got a couple of projects uh, on at the moment. How's how's the writing been and kind of being being funny at this time? I, you know, I listened to the um, two vegan idiots thing and that was hilarious. You know, that's it's great to put out stuff like that. How about actually writing jokes and stuff like that? Have you uh, tried it's- any? I have like um, so I was well, I was writing a, a a pitch for a Radio Four show that I mean it's I've, you know it's one of them things where it's it's you know it, 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 I've had things get right to the last stage of commissioning and then fall through so you know you write any pitch for a radio show with speculatively thinking it probably won't get made so I spent <laughs> most of the early couple of weeks on that yeah and that was like so that took away any I wasn't really writing comedy I was more writing the the ideas behind comedy mm. and since then i've been you know i've i think in the, in the last few days i've definitely noticed my an increase in writing like stand-up ideas i think it's because yeah. I've, I've now had you know it must be coming up to six weeks since my last gig yeah and i feel like my brain has gone all right come on you, yeah you've got you need an outlet for some of these but apart from that my other like i've been you know, yeah, I've been sort of just been doing podcasts, which tend to not be really, there's no real prep. Me and Julian just do our podcasts where we just get a guest and we just mess around. And basically it's more, it's more Julian making me laugh than anything else. It's <laughs> yeah. funny, sort of, he's got such a dark sense of humour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though we've known each other for years. So yeah. like that, yeah, that's been the sort of main outlet. I do another, I do another little podcast on my own three days a week which is just very gentle and short it's like a little 10 minute one that i do oh yeah nice yeah me drinking my morning coffee and thinking out loud so it's sort of stream of consciousness and that i found that i find that quite productive but i sometimes come off the back of that with an idea that i'll Mm. note down in my book so yeah i've just been basically i'm in that thing of i've got a few little outlets but other than that i'm just writing the odd stand-up idea in my notes for when this all ends yeah, it's good to have that stream of consciousness one, I think, because I was talking to, was it Murray Lachlan Young episode, I think was really inspiring to me kind of creatively. And he was just saying, whatever you do, just be good, just to make sure that when you restart, 
uh, after all this that your motor's kind of been warmed up. You know, your motor's been it kept warm during this. I thought that was a really nice analogy. Definitely. I just think it's a, it's also just a good practice, I think, that, that I'd started the podcast on, on January the 2nd this year. I just decided mm. I'm going to do a regular solo podcast that was really short. So, and I just thought, I did, the idea I came up with was why don't I just do it over my morning coffee and literally start, I literally press record as I, as I pour my coffee and I talk for 10 to 15 minutes and there's no plan. I don't have any idea what I'm going to say before I start speaking. Okay. And I to just talk until I press stop. And, you know, sometimes I finish my coffee in 15 minutes and it's, I find it really starts my day. Like I feel like it gets my, it's like a little mental exercise to, get my brain working for the rest of the day and but then i finish out i'm ready to like all right it's breakfast time and i'd yeah i feel i i recommend it to anyone even if you don't release it just sit and just have a little ideas session basically for 15 minutes yeah nice nice do you ever write stand-up like that or do you ever consider writing stand-up like that yeah i I do a lot actually i tend Mm. to write on stage so my notebooks are normally full of ideas that i have and then i'll put them in a list and i'll go to like a new act a new act or sorry a new material night like old rope or um you know some of the other ones like happy mondays where like i'll go down and do a short spot there or something and basically yeah. i'll just I'll, I'll look at I'll, I'll work through the idea out loud on stage so i basically i find the pressure of trying to be funny on stage makes me write better than me sitting at a desk trying to find what's funny finally you sound you know you sound really positive and optimistic generally which is great um how are you in terms of optimism for the future of humanity out of it <laughs> there's the big question i mean god the news today with um there's so much negativity and stupidity with like trump um trump saying inject yourself with bleach i mean jesus he's he's, he's, he's doubling down Every day he doubles down. He must know what he's doing. He must know what he's doing. Uh, yeah, I think he. I think he does, and he doesn't. Like, there's a. <laughs> I'm reading. There's a really. I'm reading this. I, I read half of it yesterday. It's a very short little book. Mm. It's a. It's called. Uh, I forgot his name. His name's Henry. Someone. He's like a American philosopher type. And he, um, he's, he wrote a very short book called On Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah so it's quite well known. And I just, I, I basically, I, I, he, I read a thing that he was mentioned in, a book that he was mentioned in. So I ordered it. And, uh, and he talks about bullshitters being a total, he said he, his theory is bullshit is a very different, um, it's in a different category to lying. Because if a liar <laughs> is lying to you, normally it's a calculated, thing of right i need to lie to this person to manipulate them into a certain viewpoint whereas he said bullshitting is 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 a form of lying but it's the, the almost the intention is different and it's like <laughs> bullshitting is when you're you're more trying to rather than get somebody to try and see a point that is clearly made up or a lie you're trying <laughs> to get them to just believe you regardless of what you're saying because it's more about you're trying to just make them believe a, a sort of just believe that you're not chatting shit and uh and uh, <laughs> when you see i don't really watch any of trump's stuff i don't i don't really have any interest in american politics so i never mm. really engage with it but anytime i have happened across something i always just look at you can just see he's he's not lying he's bullshit he's he literally <laughs> is, he's in a situation that he's out of his depth you know he knows, <laughs> yeah. 
he's not out of his depth in the sense of he's a he's a you know he's a billionaire. He's not. There's no depth he could be out of in that sense. But <laughs> in a political uh, sense, you know, he's got almost zero political knowledge or understanding of how his own country's political system works. He's just found <laughs> himself in charge of a thing that he doesn't understand how it runs. So every every press conference, he's trying to bullshit his way through it to convince people that he knows what he's talking about. And so yeah. it, it's not so people who obsess about him being a liar or I don't think he's he's not a liar. He's I don't think he think he realizes he's lying. He's just in that sort of salesman bullshit mode. <laughs> yeah. And actually, when you see him like that, I think you sort of view it a bit differently. You just see it's just all nonsense. You know what I mean? It's not. I don't think he's as insidious as people give him credit for. So I think to be that, you'd have to give him the credit of being very intelligent. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't give him that credit if you saw that clip about the, the bleach and he talks about heat and light and then he tries to say, this may be true, it may not be. And he says, but I, I know things. I'm a, And he's trying to say, I'm a kind of clever person, but he can't find the words. So he just That's points to his head and goes, I'm a, yeah? <laughs> That's the classic bullshit, I think, isn't it? Like, you say... You know, you basically say something like, you know, or maybe if you, you know, you could say anything, you know, and <laughs> yeah. then you go, you know, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying it could be, you know, and what you do is you basically say a thing, yeah. then you back out of it by saying, I'm not <laughs> saying it, and then you <laughs> yeah. out that it could or couldn't be true. So what you've actually said in the space of like maybe five minutes is nothing. You've let, you've actually said nothing at all. <laughs> you've said something, retracted it, and then said actually anything could be true. <laughs> so I find it so funny like you know oh, but also in terms of back to the original question about have I got any hope for humanity mm. um, I don't really ever I try not to think about it as such. I did a show about it last year I, my show in Edinburgh last year was called shall we all just kill ourselves mm. and it was based on that concept of trying to see if there is any hope for humanity mm. and then ultimately in the end I sort of worked you know the, the conclusion is that it's all nonsense if you actually engage with a lot of the things that feel like an issue. You know, like you, social media makes everything and society feel so much more fractured than it is in real life. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, such a small percentage of the world are on social media, but when you open it, you get the wrong idea of thinking that's that is the world. And also, yeah. you're not just it's even that percentage of people that are on social media, they're not portraying themselves authentically online they're giving giving a version of themselves so i think i actually when you go out and meet people and talk to people and i think there's much more hope for the world if you actually live in the real world rather than spend too much time online yeah absolutely man i think yeah in real life there is a, a big cause for optimism out of this that's uh through all this people will see the perspective and the bigger picture of life and i see that already with the way people are talking to me have you not, I don't know if you agree, but like, I think a lot of people have suddenly become a bit more clued up about just how fake economic system we have and the, just the, the political system and like how everything, it just feels like it's just how it's meant to be. And then I think something like this has shown just A, how fragile it is and also B, how easy it is to implement a different system in the space of about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think now people going forward will be a lot more cynical in future. Like, you know, say in a, in a general election, there's no way of saying anymore, oh, we can't afford that. When, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when the sort of an opposition party says we need to spend more on education and the government can't say we can't afford that because they literally <laughs> have proved 
that in the economic system we live in, you can print money almost at will, you know, and yeah. within reason. But, you know, I think, so it's going to be interesting going forward how much people remember from this period in the next sort of round of elections. Nice one, man. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. So I've mentioned your podcast. Where else can we get your content for the next 10 years while we're in this lockdown? (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, I just do a couple of podcasts. If you search Carl Donnelly on iTunes or any of those ones that have podcasts, they'll all pop up. I've got some old ones that are probably still online. And Uh I'm just on Instagram and Twitter, just very much I pop on every day or two just to do a, a dumb joke or something and then I and then I turn it off and try not to engage yeah beautiful thank you so much good man no worries thanks for having me lots of love keep well yeah you too man take it easy the brilliant Carl Donnelly there so yeah check out his podcast um, Two Vegan Idiots it's so good check out the Sean Walsh episode and check out, uh, yeah, his co-host Julian Dean and Carl's and, of course, Sean's stand-up online. Just all so funny. Um, thank you so much to Carl. That is our show for today. Just to mention that, uh, obviously, it was pretty light today. It's great to hear someone that's uh, full of optimism. Um, but, obviously, people are having a tougher time. So, as I always say, please get in touch with ThreadUp, uh, counselling partner, if you're in need of some counselling and can't afford it. And you're in the creative industry particularly, so go to at threadup underscore on Twitter and they're offering free check-ins. And other comedy, let's mention again Next Up Comedy. They're amazing. Nextupcomedy.com, subscribe to them. Uh, it's really cheap and you get so much content. Nextupcomedy.com and they're doing tremendous things for the comedy industry as a whole. So there we go. That is our show for today. Join us again tomorrow for more Side Comedy Daily Dose. Please listen back on all the Daily Dose shows and all the main shows at psychomedy.co.uk and you'll get mental health tips there from our counselling partners. At ThreadUp, Psychomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pod People Productions. I'm Nathan Cassidy. Lots of love to you all. Stay healthy, stay optimistic and join me again for more Psychomedy Daily Dose tomorrow. Pod People.